Hello, this is Dean Hess, editor of Respiratory Care. Welcome to the October 2017 podcast. In our editor's choice paper, Crowley and colleagues addressed the challenges with implementation of a respiratory therapist-driven protocol of spontaneous breathing trials in the pediatric ICU. A respiratory therapist-driven protocol was successfully introduced in an academic pediatric ICU. However, it did not impact time of SBT initiation, potentially due to the difficulty in maintaining compliance over time. The authors concluded that the use of a respiratory therapist-driven protocol requires further study. Hartman and de Blasi suggest that, for the majority of intubated patients, a standardized protocol could balance the risks of premature extubation with the risks of a protracted ventilator course. However, the use of spontaneous breathing trials in the pediatric ICU is but one small component of a comprehensive ventilator liberation protocol. Calais et al. evaluated the impact of ARDS etiology on dead space fraction. They also determined whether ARDS severity, as classified by the Berlin definition, corresponded with changes in VDVT. They found that VDVT magnitude varied by ARDS etiology, as did mortality. Only in mild ARDS did VDVT fail to distinguish non-survivors with survivors. Nonetheless, VDVT had the strongest association with mortality risk in those with ARDS. In their editorial, Lopez Aguilar et al. point out that this study represents a step forward in establishing the clinical utility of VDVT, showing that this parameter can potentially be used to personalize care for mechanically ventilated patients. The purpose of the study by Hammond et al. was to examine current oxygenation index data and outcomes using electronic medical records to identify specific OI values associated with mortality. They found that limitations existed in obtaining serial OI values from current medical records. Serial assessment of OI values may allow creation of alert values for increased mortality risk. Consideration for escalation of therapies for respiratory failure at a lower OI than historically reported may be warranted. Dalfeld and colleagues remind us that, despite the challenges that exist in developing large sample sizes, we should remember that conducting analyses of pediatric mortality that there is strength in numbers. This underscores the importance of collaboration among centers to obtain adequate sample sizes to improve the utility of studies in pediatric critical care medicine. The aim of the study by Enrici et al. was to assess which clinical parameters are the best predictors for decannulation in subjects with acquired brain injury. Their results suggest that the best clinical prediction rule for decannulation in acquired brain injury is a combination of tracheostomy tube capping, endoscopic assessment of airway patency, and swallowing assessment. Different strategies for clinical management of airway pressure release ventilation have been described, but are largely based on physiologic concepts, animal data, and small observational trials. 
The purpose of the study by Miller and colleagues was to determine how APRV is currently managed by surveying practicing respiratory therapists with experience using APRV. The results of this survey suggest that there is only limited consensus amongst practitioners for initial APRV settings, likely reflecting the paucity of good clinical outcome data and confusion surrounding the physiology of this mode. Neurologic amyotrophy is an inflammatory peripheral nerve disorder in which phrenic nerve involvement can lead to diaphragm paralysis. The prevalence, magnitude, and time course of diaphragm recovery are uncertain. The study by Rice and colleagues modeled the course of recovery of lung function in 16 subjects with diaphragm impairment from neurologic amyotrophy. They found that 69% of subjects experienced recovery of lung function and diaphragm strength, but recovery was slow and may be incomplete. Gabriel et al. performed a focused study on the association of preoperative functional status with that of unplanned intubation outcomes in subjects with thyroidectomy. Preoperative functional status was a good marker for identifying subjects at risk for reintubation, postthyroidectomy, and parathyroidectomy. These results have important implications for the care of these patients. Galeatsidis et al. retrospectively evaluated subjects discharged from a long-term chronic ventilator unit from 2010 to 2012. Subjects discharged from a long-term chronic ventilator unit and who were alive at one year had shorter stays in the ICU and were more likely to be discharged home. Further attention is warranted to assure the survival of critically ill patients once they are discharged from the ICU. Airway clearance techniques are an important aspect of the care of patients with bronchiectasis. Silva and colleagues compared the flutter and lung flute in adult subjects with stable non-cystic fibrosis bronchiectasis who expectorated more than 25 milliliters per day. Both devices were well tolerated and successfully augmented secretion clearance. Most subjects preferred the flutter because of increased speed of secretion clearance and ease of use. The objective of the study by Gas et al. was to evaluate the effects of two intensities of expiratory positive airway pressure during exercise on tolerance, dynamic hyperinflation, and dyspnea in subjects with moderate to severe COPD. The application of EPAP at 5 centimeters of water or EPAP at 10 centimeters of water during exercise caused a progressive reduction in exercise tolerance in subjects with COPD without improvement in exercise dyspnea and dynamic hyperinflation at equivalent exercise duration. The use of non-invasive ventilation in patients with acute Hypoxemic respiratory failure due to influenza infection is controversial. The aim of the study by Rodriguez et al. was to identify subjects with risk factors for NIV failure and to determine if NIV failure was associated with ICU mortality. NIV failed in 57% of subjects. SOFA score was the variable most associated with NIV failure. 
ICU mortality was higher in subjects with NIV failure compared to invasively ventilated subjects. NIV failure was associated with an odds ratio of 11 for increased ICU mortality. This month, we published an invited review on tracheal tube design and ventilator-associated pneumonia and a narrative review on variation in the definition of prolonged mechanical ventilation. We also published two papers from the 2016 New Horizons Symposium. The first relates to the toxic effects and potential therapeutic benefits associated with inhaled carbon monoxide. The second relates to aerosol delivery during mechanical ventilation. We are also pleased to publish the open forum abstracts that will be presented at the 2017 AARC Congress in Indianapolis. To receive the contents of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.